Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by John Gibson. And we're going to look ahead to Newcastle United's clash with Chelsea this Saturday. It's another good old-fashioned 3pm kickoff as United look to get back to winning ways after back-to-back defeats against Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. That 2-0 defeat to Bournemouth in the last game before the international break. United went into that game in the South Coast in the middle of an injury crisis, which hasn't really got any better despite the fortnight's break. Coming up in this show, we'll discuss those missing out, who might return and what sort of team Eddie Howe can afford to put out. We'll discuss whether the international break helps players get out of that losing mentality or whether it leaves them itching to return back to victory. All that and much more coming up on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Please like Follow and share amongst your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. Let's get on with the show. John, how are you doing? You well? Looking forward to domestic football coming back? I'm good, yes. After a break like this, I'm always looking forward because, uh, you know, the internationals are the internationals, but they're not the same to the rank and file fan, the domestic programmes, what it's all about. So, you know, we might be having a heavy programme and there's a heavy one ahead. I mean, what a week we've got ahead. We've got Chelsea here, Paris Saint-Germain away in Manchester United. Three real heavyweights to welcome us back, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite the schedule to uh, to get back into. And before we get into that, I just want to talk uh, about the international break itself and the players who went away. It looks like Bruno and Jolinton have come through OK. Fabian shared despite a bit of a scare. He's returned to full training with Switzerland, so he'll be all right for Saturday as well, we should think. Um, we have to wait on news of Almiron and Isaac. Will they be back? Kieran Trippi, of course, left the England squad, but that was down to personal matters and not injury. And he was pictured training with Newcastle United as well. So, you know, you, you feel Newcastle United are one or two injuries away from a, a fully blown crisis. At the moment, it's a crisis, but not too big of a one. It's still pretty bad. But really good news that they seem to have got their, their key men, at least those who featured for their country, you know, they've come through unscathed. Yeah, well, we couldn't stand any more um, injuries, could we? I mean, it, it's getting absurd. But yes, we're pleased for Shaw, we're pleased for Trippier, relieved that when he did come home, it wasn't because of injury, because that's the first thing you think of. Um Bruno didn't play the full 90 minutes, but the thick part of it in two games. Joe Linton, bless him, didn't play in the first one and then got sent off last night. But that was, I don't know if you watched it at all, Andrew, but it was ludicrous booking. I mean, to be a straight red when this guy's hanging on to his arm the whole, whole way and he, he effectively tries to shake him off and, and he gets a red. But I mean, when you look at the highlights of that match, it was a vicious old game. It, I know that Argentina and Brazil are great sort of rivals to each other, but both on the terraces and on the field. I mean, on the field, you winced watching just the highlights. And I think the ref was had got to the stage where the next slightest thing was going to be a red. But uh, I felt sorry for Joe. It was not a red by a million miles, but... Um, it doesn't affect anything at Newcastle, obviously, um, because it's at international level where his ban will come, unless he appeals against it and is successful. But um, yeah, he's okay for us, and that's important. I've just watched the red card there as you were speaking, and goodness me, 
barely touches him. He certainly doesn't give it a elbow in the face. I was expecting as the play goes on, there's going to be a little dig in the yeah. face, but he just he turns around. It's in his chest at worst. That is a, that is a ridiculous red card. But no, I don't didn't watch it uh, last night because as our listeners and viewers know, I despise the international break. So I try to stay as far away as possible from international football because it does my head in. And my thoughts about Gareth Southgate haven't got any better uninspiring to say the least, but we don't want to talk about that. Mm. I do want to ask you though, John, if you're Eddie Howe and you're looking at the injury list of all the players who are still here on Tyneside and you're going, goodness me, I, I can't really put me my second team out, let alone my first team. And then you're looking at the players who've got on international duty. What are you thinking in, in, in the past fortnight? Are you, are you, are you refusing like me to, to put the telly on and just, 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 just thinking, I hope I don't get any texts in our shares in or The Bravka's oh. picked up a knock. Absolutely. And I mean, the first thing you think of when Trippier is coming home is, oh, no, we, can, we can't have this. Uh, and thankfully, it's not that. Um, but I mean, then things, you've got to bear in mind, looking at it, absentees for certain on, on Saturday, Botman, Wilson, Byrne, Murphy, Barnes, Target, Anderson, Manquillo, all injured, all injured. Uh, Hall's ineligible because it's his parent club and Tenali, of course, is banned. I mean, that is 10 absentees guaranteed and maybe Sean Longstaff won't make it. All of a sudden, we hear about Sean Longstaff having an ankle injury. I worry about that as well because we don't always know what the injury situation is. Yes, we expect Almiran to be okay, Um Etc., etc. We'll do have Bruno back and we'll look as if we'll have Isaac back. But I mean, you've, we've got 10 out for certain, and we could have uh, long staff on top of that, which is 11, a full team out of circulation. Now, when I thought about the team itself, Andrew, uh, the team that we would still be able to put out, the 11, would be quite good. Where we look, absolutely hamstrung is in the defence um, because, sorry, in the subs, the, the reserves uh, the, the nine subs first of all, we can't get nine subs and secondly, how many of them will be, would be on the bench if everybody else was fit you know, you, you've got Dubravka who's your cover keeper but I mean, you're then looking at your senior pros being Kraft, Dummett and Ritchie all three can't get on the bench when everybody's fit. They're the guys that are left off the bench. They're now going to be the key guys on the bench along with Miley. Uh, so it shows you how stretched we are. Yeah, the lack of game changers, I think, is the, is the key point there oh. on, on the bench, given these injuries. Massive. But good to see Emil Kraft picking up minutes for Sweden. That's what we want yeah. to see. You know, he's got a big few months ahead of him as he tries to win a, a new contract. I think had he not picked up the injury... The way he was going in Newcastle United, he probably would have already been handed a new deal, but now he's got to fight for his future. And yeah, look, the, the injury list is is just unbelievable. And it, look, it's really bad luck on, on, on one hand, but do you think it's also down to the way Newcastle United play in, in certain elements, i.e., you know, they like to press high, got to have legs about you, constantly running. Eddie Howe will put you through your paces. And it's no criticism of... Eddie Howe or the way he set no. up his team because I'm all for it. I love the way they chase down the opposition. But I'm just thinking, do you think the way he does set up his team, that is a direct consequence to, to what's happening you know, in the physio room? Well, 
I would hope not. I think it could easily uh, be involved. I would hope not because, and why do I say that? Well, because we will continue to play the way we, we are playing because of the success it's brought. So we don't want to talk about whether we're continually going to have a large injury list as a consequence of that. There was talk about that. Remember when Bielsa was at Leeds, that, that he played a particularly... A strenuous physical way, a lot of exhaustion, a lot of high pressing, a lot of high tempo, and whether that boomeranged on them eventually as they got into their second season with him and their third season with him. Um, you can see how it can contribute to muscle injuries because you are like a, a, a highly strung thoroughbred racehorse. You, you, you are under pressure. I mean, you want to write off a few of the the injuries and say, well, Dan Byrne was a freak. You know, he, he climbed so high, he's high anyway. When he come clattering down, it was, you know, you you think Anderson is a bit of a, a freak. Um, you think a toe injury under the toe with Harvey Barnes is a bit of a freak. But yes, it is. When you get as many injuries as that, and no doubt because... Uh, Newcastle or anything but fools no doubt um, uh, Eddie has had his uh, medical people really looking into um, if there is at all a link uh, with that but it, it is worrying it is worrying but I hope sincerely it isn't because that's the way we play that's the way we've been successful and we don't want to abandon that style because it is really successful and with the quick quick players we've got on the side it's wonderful to watch mm, it certainly is and, and yeah you might not believe us but I was just writing down a list there you can't see it because the camera's all the way over there but I did just write down a list after I asked you that question I, I wrote down on here that, like you just mentioned there, the players whose injuries are far from a direct consequence of the way Newcastle United play. As you say, they are bad luck. You know, Dan Byrne, as you say, clattering his own player. Callum Wilson isn't bad luck. We just know what Callum Wilson's like. Harvey Barnes, I mean, a total freak injury. Elliot Anderson, you know, getting out of bed and, and knocking his back up. You know, those are just really unfortunate injuries. Um, and I don't think you can compensate for that. Uh, let's talk about Callum Wilson because he goes off against Dortmund. He's supposedly close to returning for that Bournemouth game and then he doesn't return and then he's out for at least four or six weeks according to reports. Eddie Howe maybe, probably won't confirm on Friday exactly what's going on. Uh, but look, I'm not going to uh, share my view on, on what should happen with Callum Wilson. I've done it enough this week on, 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 the, on the podcast with Aaron and um, I was a guest on BBC Radio Newcastle yesterday and I shared my opinion again. What is your opinion, John, on Callum Wilson? Is it time for Newcastle United to start looking for a long-term replacement? I'm afraid it is. Um, and I find it hard to say that and I've been reluctant to say that until now because um, he's a quality player. He's an England player, an England squad player, certainly. For me, he's ahead of Ollie Watkins when he's fit. Uh but there's the expression that completely uh, determines the whole of his of his career when he's fit. And as good when they're both fit, Wilson and Isaac, if they were regularly fit, 
we would have two of the top strikers in the Premier League. And we wouldn't have a necessarily a problem about needing to buy a third striker. You need one. And we could get a kid who was coming through and that would be wonderful. Unfortunately, Wilson is regularly done his hamstring, regularly, regularly, regularly. And Isaac is never 100% his fitness record is a little bit iffy. Wonderful, wonderful player, but a little bit iffy. You cannot continue to rely on Callum. Um, he is terrific, but he's going to have long periods out. And we have been reduced to trying to play Gordon as a false nine, Wondering whether we should put Joe Linton as an emergency nine again, despite what he did when he first came as a nine and, and was a big, big flop. If we did either of those things, you're, you're depriving us of Gordon Wide left, who's a wonderful attacker there, and the colossus Joe Linton is in the middle of the park. You're immediately deprived, so you're solving one problem or trying to by creating another. And we cannot continue down that road. And so I've come round to your way of thinking, which is that enough is enough and we've got to buy somebody in. Now, I was all I was all for that in any case, but I thought you would have to go for a very young boy uh, whose future was ahead of him or somebody on the wrong end of 30, which they probably wouldn't do, whose career is winding down because both of those would be willing to sit as the third striker behind Wilson and Isaac. Now, I don't think it's a third striker sitting behind Wilson and Isaac. Um, as good as they both are, uh, Isaac is probably meant to be the number one long term, but anybody coming in would see a clear road to being able to get in this Newcastle United side and stay in this Newcastle United side. And as much as I love Callum Wilson as a player and... Um, I, I, he is loved by people that he works with. Eddie Howe keeps going back to him. Gareth Southgate keeps going back to him. I mean, he picked him. It was the strangest thing, Andrew, I've ever heard. He picks him in the international squad for this last fortnight and then announces, before anything's said by Newcastle United, that he'll probably have to withdraw through injury. Now, didn't he pull the rug from under Eddie Howe there? Because Eddie Howe never tells you what's happening physically. But we already knew that he wasn't going to play in the last game because he was talking about him being out after that, Southgate. Why you pick him when you know he's not going to be able to come? It, it seemed quite, quite ludicrous to me. But football is a hard life. You can't get too emotional. We all love Callum Wilson, but we can't get too emotional. Otherwise, Newcastle's fade away. We have got to face facts, and the facts are you'll be lucky to have Callum available for half a season. And, and and really, at the level we want to play at, which is the top end of the Premier League, trying to win one of the two domestic cups and trying to have a good run in Europe, which means playing three games a week regularly, look at the week coming up. Saturday, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain midweek and then Manchester United. You can't rely on Callum in those situations. Even if he was fit, you would know he couldn't play in in those three starting those three games in the last 90 minutes and all three. So you have to look at replacing them. It's sad, but it's fact. We need to sound the alarms because, ladies and gents, me and John Gibson finally agree on something. He's just summed up my viewpoint excellently. And it's interesting you mentioned the schedule coming up because 
my way of thinking about Saturday's team, now we've seen Alexander Izak take part in individual training. We think he's probably back now amongst it. You know, he's thought not to be too far away. But I do wonder, given the games they've got coming up, and I know Eddie Howe doesn't like to look ahead of the game right in front of him, but do Newcastle United potentially start Izak only on the bench and maybe just keep him fresh for the PSG game, for the My United game, instead of throwing him straight back in, knowing that you've only got one out-and-out striker. Maybe you move Gordon up top uh, for Saturday's game. I totally agree with you, John. You are then leaving a massive gap on the left, but then could you move Joe Willick out onto the left in a midfield three of Joe Linson, Bruno and Miley of Longstaff isn't fit with Miggy hopefully on the right? Because I, I just... With not having Callum Wilson there to be picked for at least a month to maybe six weeks, I do worry about the pressure that puts on Alexander Izak. Look, he can handle the pressure of being a goal scorer. That's what he does. That's why he spent all that money. But I just worry about his body. Can his body handle the fact that he might have to start the next six to eight games, you know, without really any backup? Yeah, it is a worry, but it's a worry that's been created through doing nothing about the centre-forward situation in the last transfer window. Um, you know, that is what's happening. And the likelihood is that Sean Longstaff will not make Chelsea, in which case, moving Willock up, etc., you're going to have to come in with Miley. Now, he is going to be a terrific player, but he's 17 and, and you know... Um, all of a sudden, he's going to be crucial to Newcastle's needs. And um, already, not just brought in quietly, but brought in and really relying on him to run the most uh, progressive part of, of the field, the midfield. It, we are stretched to the limit. And the thing with Isaac, which is very interesting, I mean, we're not going to get 90 minutes out of Isaac on Saturday, on Tuesday night, and on Saturday again. But, you know, the interesting thing, Andrew, if you're the, if you're the manager, you're going to say, what is your priority? Which match is your priority? I mean, Chelsea's as important as Manchester United. They're both at home. They're both sides that might be challenging us somewhere along the line for Europe, whether it's the Champions League or the Europa League qualification for next season, I mean. And is Paris Saint-Germain the, the most crucial game? And the way you can say it is if we're going to stay in the Champions League, or you can even say it is if you're going to go into Europa League. You can also say that is it on the current results we've had in Europe, is making certain we get back into Europe by getting six points against the Chelsea and Man U as important. It is very difficult. And I think Eddie does one thing. In the main, he takes everything, as you've already suggested, match by match. And so he'll pick his best team to win against Chelsea and let Paris Saint-Germain and Man United take care of itself. Um, but, I mean, that argument, which is a very good one about whether he's actually starting out on Saturday, off tells you how much we do need is centre forward come January, and yeah. you know whether or not um, Wilson would be dischuffed if we buy a centre forward. I couldn't care less. It's known as football. 
you you either put up with it or you don't. It it's the injuries aren't if Callum's making the injuries certainly aren't if Eddie Howe's making or the club. They would wish him to be fit, and and but you cannot wait around for the odd snippet when the guy might be fit. And in any case, Callum has a very good attitude to life. Um, Eddie's always banging on about how how uh, positive he is and how he's certain that he should be in the team and that he'll score goals, and which is a wonderful attitude to have. And if he has got that attitude, he, I mean, he saw Isaac as a challenge, he would just see somebody else coming in as a challenge as well. But um, the, the trouble is, if you do move Gordon to play nine, two things bother me. One, the outside left position. And if you then say, well, we'll move Willock in there, then the midfield bothers me. Um, but also, the one thing Gordon hasn't got, and he can play a false nine, because he's. but the one thing he hasn't got is a, a goal-scoring reputation. And uh, he, he misses chances, or he doesn't get into goal-scoring situations as much as he ought to. And if Isaac or Wilson isn't leading the line, then you've got your only central striker, the only middle of the field striker that isn't the natural goal scorer. Hmm. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because we look at the left back situation and it's, and it's likely to be Kieran Trippier at left back with yeah. every mental coming in at right back because of the injuries to target to Dan Byrne, as you mentioned earlier, Lewis Hall can't play because it's against Chelsea. And, you know, you, you move Gordon into the centre, you put Willick who isn't at home on the left, but can't play there. You, you, you know, you're making a lot of changes, aren't you? And really, in weakening, in weakening yeah. the positions in doing it, aren't you? By moving yeah. Gordon to centre forward, you're weakening outside left. Moving Willock to outside left, you're weakening the midfield. You've already got Trippier on that side, having to play on that side. I mean, to solve one problem, you're weakening another three positions, and you're not totally solving the original problem. Because yeah. Gordon centre forward is not as good as Isaac centre forward. If Isaac was a hundred percent, it's a stick and plaster, isn't it? And I think in an oh. ideal world, you yep. would want Isaac up front. You'd want Gordon on the left, and that really means the only changes you're making are Levermento uh, and Trippier. You know, Trippier on the left. And look, Trippier can play left back. He does it for England. I know you're a big fan of it. Um, but I think what Eddie Howe would want, he would want the security of knowing. Gordon is ahead of Trippier and Gordon does so well for Dan Byrne. You don't want to be throwing someone who doesn't really play yeah. there, something hasn't played there week in, week out in front of Trippier. You know, as good as Trippier will do at left back, he'd do better with someone who plays there regularly, as in the, the left the left winger, i.e. Gordon. It's it, it, it just emphasises it, John, the absolute minefield that Eddie Howe potentially has to go through to pick his strongest oh. team on Saturday. It happens on the other wing, doesn't it? I mean, when you think of Gordon and Almiron as being our two wide men, uh, not only are they very, very quick, not only are they very, very tricky when they're running at, at the opposing penalty area and causing confusion, but both of them get back. Both of them have the, um, the ability and the engine to get back and Almiron to help out Livermento and Gordon to help out Trippier. You know, take either of those out with the limitations of not having Murphy and not having Harvey Burns, Bonds, and you're, you're in trouble. And, and really, we need Isaac, in my humble opinion, to be able to start on, on 
Saturday, and I would. The situation is so dire that you you know you can't second guess. You've got to pick your best side to try to get a result on the day and let Tuesday take care of itself and let Saturday against Man United take care of itself. If you try to shuffle the pack and and by not starting either and then you lose at home to Chelsea, uh, that's a great mood to go to, to Paris Saint-Germain. And if you lose there as well, you're looking at losing the Dortmund, Bournemouth, Chelsea, and Paris Saint-Germain by the time Manchester United come. So it it trying to spread the butter very thinly over the toast is is really running risks. I love that. We'll have to get that on a t-shirt. That saying, John. <laughs> I, I, I guess you're a fan of another saying, and it, a lot of people would ask it. I think on on Saturday, if Isaac is on the bench, and it's if he, well, if he's fit enough to be on the bench. He's got to be fit enough to start, right? That would be Correct. the question from a lot of people. I mean, I, mean, I would, you... I, would t- I would be tempted, Andrew, and, and it's a great discussion, and you're right and I'm right, or we're both wrong. It can be argued either way. It doesn't matter. But, I mean, we know we're not going to get 90 minutes out of Isaac, but I'd rather start him and see what happens than bring him on, because by the time you bring him on, the match might be lost. You know, mm. But whereas if you start them, you give that impetus with the crowd and with the team, you get off on the right foot, hopefully we'll get ahead, you bring them off in 60 minutes. If you bring them on, we're either struggling to hold on to a single point or we're losing at the stage he comes on. I would rather, even though I know a guy's not going to last 90 minutes, I'd rather start him and bring him off than put him on the bench and bring him on. It's always hard to answer this question, and I totally get what you're saying there, John. I mean, if he is 80%, 90%, and like I said, it's always hard because we, you know, he hasn't got a meter by him with a little number telling you how fit he is. But if he's not fully fit, you know, but he's close, what are you doing? Are you still throwing him in? That's a, Well, that's a great, great question. I mean, under normal circumstances, absolutely not. But when you look at the, what the alternatives are, when you look at a bench that we can't get out, they'll probably have two goalkeepers on it and still in and, and probably have four academy players on and still could be short of the nine that were allowed on. Then, you know, you, as I emphasise, you've got your regular cover goalkeeper, Dubravka, and after that, who have you got on the bench that would you would bring on and say is a game changer. Kraft, Dummett, and Ritchie are the senior pros on the bench. When we have got a full squad of players, they don't get in the nine. You look at some of the the the, the benches of nine early in the season and they didn't get on, or one of them got on. And then you're down to Miley and the other academy players. So it is it's a stick of plaster. We can get an eleven out if your eleven is. Pope, Livermanco, Lascelles, Shaw, Trippier, Joel Linton, Bruno, Willock. I'm suggesting Longstaff's not going to make it. And then Almir and Isaac Gordon. That is still on paper a, a pretty good side. But that is presuming that Isaac's going to be firing, etc., etc., etc. And you look at the bench, what will change it? Especially game changes. I mean, if you're talking, I mean, Kraft, Dummett, Dubrovka, all defensive players, you're looking at Richie, who, bless him, is well past his sell-by date, Miley, who's tomorrow's star, and Parkinson or whoever, you know, after that. You're not 
God, game changers on your bench there at all. Mm. Well, fingers crossed the team that you've just named there won't need game changers because they'll already have uh, put the game to bed before the hour mark. You are right. Look, if if Isaac is a fit and firing and that is the team that you've just, you know, that, the one you've just read out, you're right. It's more than enough to beat Chelsea. And we know Chelsea concede goals. Look, they've picked up form eventually. Um, you know, it was a difficult start for, for the new gaffer, but the last six games, they picked up 11 points. Same as Newcastle, uh, but they have conceded 10 goals. They've scored 16 but they've conceded 10. You know, we saw that Spurs game. We saw the City game. They are vulnerable at the back. Jackson, for all all his scoring goals recently, it's four in the last two, isn't it? He's not a very good striker. You know, I think Lascelles or Cher will, will, will be able to handle him. I think it's on the flanks where we've got to be a little bit careful. I mean, Raheem Sterling is in, you know, the form of his career, well, especially of late. If there's you know, if we think Gordon's unlucky to miss out on the England squad, then Sterling's definitely um, on the same boat as well. It's the flanks for me which are a little bit dangerous. And, and, and you know, Livermento and Trippy, I think we can say, certainly will be the two fullbacks. So they're going to have their work cut out. Yeah, they are. Uh, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you'd viewed this match a few weeks back, a couple of months back, or just a few weeks back, you would have said this is a home banker. Newcastle are flying right up to them, beating Arsenal at home with all guns blazing, looking a heck of a side, uh, Chelsea looking in disarray, uh, having to build an extra dressing room because they've got so many players that get changed for training Monday to Friday uh, and the results in disarray. You would say this was a home bugger. All of a sudden, it's not. Because we've hit a barrel load of, of injuries. As I say, there could be 11 unavailable un on Saturday. And in the last two games, Chelsea, who last season were important, couldn't score goals. They, they've scored two fours. Um, they drew 4-4 with Manchester City, which was one of the best Premier League games I've seen. It was a terrific, what an entertainment for a neutral that was it was a wonderful performance and before that the 1-4-1 at Spurs to take Spurs unbeaten record now I know that was uh, the circumstances had an awful lot to do with that Spurs ended up with nine men and they played such a, a high line that they were there for the taking once you, you solved how to not be drop into the offside trap and they did that but they still scored eight goals against Spurs and Man City. And when you score four goals against Man City, um, you know, that is some performance. And since Potts went there and really got amongst them and sorted things out, they're better when they have to rise to the occasion, Andrew, than when they're playing the smaller sides. They have Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and Manchester City have all failed to beat them since Potts was manager. Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs and Man City. That's quite a, a parade of, of, of heavy top-class sides. So they're going to have a challenge to us. And, and you know, you mentioned the wide players and, yes, Jackson isn't so good, but you then look at, at Cole Palmer, what a good player he is, what him and Sterling against City, and it catapulted Palmer into the England squad, didn't it? Um, so... It is a different game to the one it looked. And bear in mind, this is a rehearsal for the League Cup 
coming up before Christmas down at their place. So Chelsea's going to have a very big say in the next month in which path Newcastle United's immediate future is. They're either going to be back in the, the hunt for the top positions because they beat Chelsea up here and in the semi-final of the Cup for the first trophy in 68 years, or they're going to be out of the League Cup and a little bit of drift in the Premier League. So Chelsea's going to have a big say. Those two matches are going to be massive before Christmas. They certainly are. And for all Chelsea are, are going well, they are coming up to St James's Park. And the home record at St James's Park for Newcastle United is tremendous. Six games, 15 points from those games. Obviously, they've lost one. Uh, you know, yes, Newcastle United back-to-back defeats Dortmund to, to Bournemouth. Yes, they've got injuries, a ridiculous injury list, but the home form, I think, is cause for optimism. You know, you can you can complain, you can you can tear your hair out at, at everything I've just mentioned there, but one thing that will give people hope and has given me hope, this is St James's Park, this is a fortress. Yeah, yeah, I think that is, that is true. Ironically, if you look at the situation with Chelsea, Andrew, they're better away from home than at home. They can't buy wins at home. They can't buy wins in front of their own fans. So in some cases, you can make out an argument where we're better off in the League Cup down there than we are on Saturday. Um, Newcastle can't win away, though. Newcastle's away record is is awful. It is absolutely awful. But we've only got a draw, you know, because we could win the penalty shootout down there. Um, but anyway, both matches are on a knife edge, aren't they? Of course they are. They, they could go one of three ways, win, lose or draw. Apart from the fact that a draw in the League Cup means we've got to play, uh, we've got to take penalties. We can't draw in that. Uh, we've got to get a result on the night. But let's take the first match first. It is going to be very, very hard, especially with the team we've got. I don't know how much respite we're going to get. Andrew, from the the situation we've just talked about, because I don't know that there's that many players. Yes, Hall's going to be straight back uh, with Paris Saint-Germain and Manu, but you know we're not going to have many more lining up to come back um, in the foreseeable future because they're, they're longer term injuries. So you know it is going to be difficult. I think the funny thing is the one that will probably return before anyone else is. Harvey Barnes and he was the one that was initially out till till the new yep. year. But anyhow, seems very yes. confident Chelsea might come too soon for him. But the weeks after, it looks like he's he's not too far away, which is brilliant news. That'll be a big boost running into that Christmas schedule. Uh, the international break, John, after two defeats, as we mentioned, Dortmund and Bournemouth. As a as a player, do you think? They're looking at the national break and thinking, thank goodness, thank goodness, I just want a break and then we get back to it in a couple of weeks' time. Or do you think they're spending those two weeks, you know, rattling around the house for those who aren't on an international break thinking, goodness me, I wish we had a game straight away so we could right the wrongs of the past two weeks? No, I think that everyone will be relieved for the break because we were on our last legs. I mean, Bournemouth, if we had had... The way Newcastle have played this season and last season, if we'd had a full complement of players available, we would have won at Bournemouth, absolutely no question whatsoever. We beat Arsenal up here when really we drained the tank of petrol 
it was such an emotional, physical, high-tempo game with Arsenal and so terrific to watch and never mind what Arteta was complaining about. It was a good, good game and Arteta moaned because he'd come out second best in the two-horse race. But it was a good, good game. But it took so much out of us and we had so limited uh, availability that we went to Bournemouth who, let's be truthful, are an awful side in the beaters and deservedly beaters. Now, that result would never have happened in normal circumstances to Newcastle United. So they, we needed the fortnight's break after that. We needed it not just physically for the legs, not just so we'll get players back, because we knew that we weren't going to get anybody back really from the long-term injuries apart from Isaac. But mentally as well, we were mentally drained. We needed that fortnight. And I don't think they're rattling around at home saying, oh, I wish we could play. I think they were absolutely sitting at home and saying, thank goodness we can draw breath, regroup, mentally clear our heads and then get ready to go again. Hmm. Well, it's going to be a very similar team, isn't it? Uh, for the one who sets up against Chelsea, the one that plays it, that played against Bournemouth. And I guess... The difference is that hopefully this fortnight's break has given yeah. players a chance to to you know regain that energy. And they, I mean, they were looking absolutely shattered. They were tired for that Bournemouth game. You could see right from the off. So hopefully yeah. the, the the fortnight break does give them a chance just to recharge those batteries, and they can come in against Chelsea, and as we say, just get rid of the thought of what happened before the international break. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely so. I, I, I think uh, Anthony Gordon was a typical example. He was like the roadrunner for us, isn't he? The old cartoon, you know, where he just ran everywhere, not like a headless chicken to great purpose. Uh, but his game was built on his physical fitness and his willingness. I mean, what he did off the ball and closing down and everything as well as on the ball was absolutely phenomenal. He, I don't think he could drag himself to the team coach at Bournemouth. I think he probably needed a, a wheelchair or a stretcher to take him onto the coach. He was so exhausted physically. And I think when you looked at us, within five minutes of us kicking off at Bournemouth, I knew we weren't going to win, Andrew. It was whether we could get a draw. We just didn't look at the races, did we? We didn't have that vibrancy about us, that get up and go, that... that and it. If you get a couple of players like that, but the rest are it, and then you can lift those two players, you get away with it. But right across the park, it looked like that. We looked like that right across the park. And that fortnight break couldn't have come at a, at a better time. We needed it. It's a shame a couple of players didn't get the break. Um, the guy that really benefited by the internationals was Kraft because he got games under his belt, which was absolutely wonderful. I mean, Trippier was okay because he played in the first one, missed the second one, so he's had a bit of a rest. Joe Linton didn't go on the first game at all and just played a few minutes before being sent off, so he's not exhausted. Um, so there was a lot of pluses looking at it purely from a biased Newcastle United point of view. Uh, there's a lot of pluses. And look at it the other way, you know. I'm pleased that Hall got a full game plus half an hour as a sub in the second game for England in the 20s because he's short of games. Isn't it ironic that we're talking about we're playing far too much football and, and yet Lewis Hall is short of games. That's what's 
his that's what his main problem is. So it was good that he got a game and a half in his tank with the with the under twenties. Yeah, most certainly. And the other big uh, thing is as well that, that Bruno will be back for Newcastle United. They can't win without Bruno. It seems they're going to have to yeah. fix that long term, but. He'll be a huge boost, won't he, on Saturday? Oh, massive! Yes, we've we've tended not to dwell on him there. We're talking about he's had coming back because that was some injury, but getting Bruno back, we just don't win. If you're going to win without Bruno, you think it Bournemouth is a place where it'll happen, isn't it? Because they're not good. Um, but it was a game too far for us, and Bruno coming back. I don't know if he's just a mascot as well as the midfield and. Uh, Duracell uh, Bunny, uh, he does everything. But whether he's a lucky mascot as well, we do need him to win games. That's been proved. The, the statistics are quite startling. If the fact that we never win when he's not in the Newcastle side, now that isn't just a coincidence. It's a lot more than a coincidence. So to have him back will be a massive plus for these games, and to have the the fact that he's not. Out the next game with a with through a suspension, and um, we've lifted that off his shoulders and off our shoulders. That's a massive plus. Certainly is. Now, before I get your result prediction, I just want to point people in the direction of our tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. We brought Gibbs Corner back during the international break, and John shared some wonderful personal stories um, about Sir Bobby Charlton, who, of course, uh, died last month. His funeral was was last week. And uh, we've had some fantastic feedback, which is always nice. I'm just going to read you one message I got off uh, a Newcastle United supporter called Jeff. He uh, got in touch via social media and he said, this is an absolute fantastic listen. My favourite episodes always feature John Gibson and this brilliant personal tribute of John's close relationship with the whole of the Charlton family is an absolute must. Thank you. There you go, John. Some nice words. That's nice. Yeah, I didn't know that you'd received that. It's lovely, Andrew, because that's you do it out of warmth and you hope the warmth comes through in what you're talking. And there's so many happy memories. And uh, you're so proud to be able to call somebody like Bobby Charlton one of ours because he is one of our own and uh, extra special one of our own. Sometimes you don't quite realise when you're watching a guy play how good he is until you're not watching him anymore. And you suddenly realise what you're missing. And he is one of the all-time greats in world football, not just English football. And it was a pleasure to talk with you for over an hour, I think, uh, reminiscing about uh, the great days and what a couple of brothers they were, Bobby and Jack. Uh, quite something special. Um, I hope we haven't got another one to do for a little while because it's normally a, a part of an obituary and we don't want to lose any of our dearest friends. But um, you've got to pay tribute to these people. And, you know, if I've got any sadness about Bobby is that he didn't come and follow his his second cousin, Jackie, and play for Newcastle United. But um, he was still very much part of ours and um, wonderful, wonderful player. He certainly was. And you can find that episode by just searching Gibbo's Corner, a special tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. You'll find it on all uh, your podcast platforms. It should actually still be just below this one if you're on Podfollow or, of course, on Apple or Spotify. Uh, thank you guys for tuning and listening to that. John, all that remains to be done then is your result prediction for Saturday. Yeah, I've got a, 
I've got an uneasy feeling about this. I always go, come along and say Newcastle they win, even when you know the odds are that they probably they probably wouldn't, um, because I'm not optimistic about them. My great concern is is the fact that are they mentally up for this battle, and have we got enough bodies? And please don't, if we've got to rely on the subs bench. We're in trouble, and that is with absolute respect to the people that will be sitting there. But we're so devoid of numbers that if we need offensive players to turn the game in our favour, they're not really sitting on that bench. Um, so as much as it chokes me not to say a home win, I'm going to go for a draw. Mm, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm usually the negative one, aren't I? But, I, oh, I don't know. It, 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 and there's so many elements that would, would that could change your prediction you know it's like a flip of a coin in many ways isn't it i think i'm going to go for a win just simply because of the home record and it's at st james's park hopefully the crowd will be up for it and you know i just think that's that's the difference you know obviously if Isaac doesn't play then things might change but right here right now i'm going to go for a win for newcastle united at home well i hope sincerely hope you're right because we need to have a, a, a mood setter. It, this is the beginning of a huge week. Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United. And the one thing we don't want, and neither of us are forecasting it, is we don't want the home defeat to then have to go to Paris Saint-Germain on Tuesday and look at Manchester United, who will love to tuck up after the League Cup final. And we are still in the League Cup and they aren't this season. And that was wonderful. So, but we have got to keep going. If we can keep going till the end of the year, when we get some of these injuries back and we'll get a January transfer window, when we will look at replacing Tonali and we'll look at getting the centre forward, then we can get back into the sunny slopes next year. Uh, but... I've got an uneasy feeling it'll be a draw. I'm not expecting a defeat, but I would love, I'd love it to be a win. Uh, the only thing that worries me, they've got so many players, their bench of nine must be heaving with players that cost them a fortune. Mm. Uh, our bench of nine is going, well, I don't think it's going to be a bench of nine. But anyway, a draw, but I'm hoping sincerely that you're right, my friend. There we go. Well, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast, the match preview with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and Job Gibson. Please like and follow the podcast and share it amongst your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep up with all the latest Newcastle United.